above me. He's above this church. He's above the evil in this world. He's above coronavirus. He's above any kind of political party. He's above any kind of separation. He's above fear, sexuality. He's above family units. And he's most of all above any form of demonic attack out there and evil that is coming our way. Our God is above all and puts all of it under submission. But as who he is fills, it guides. And even as we're talking about he's above all that, us as in submission as the church seeks Christ as our leader. Not only is he sovereign, but he is our perfect leader. He, we are giving our life to his goodness, his direction, and his way. It says, in, just to let you know, we're going to be in chapter 1, between verse 17 and 23 throughout the whole message. Once again, 17 to 23. Why don't you guys go down to 21 with me? Verse 21 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. And it says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who he fills all in all. Christ was put as the head. He fulfills inward, outward, surrounds us and guides us further into his presence. But as he has been brought into the sovereignty and power that he is, he is head over us. But what does this word head really signify? Like, we all know that it means that he's our leader, that he's in power if we've been in the church very long. You look at the Greek word, and it, it both means like, an actual head that really is the significance of life. Without it, you are destroyed. So we could say very truthfully that Jesus is our source and connection of life. And as we lose that placement with him, if we're not connected to him, we are then separated from life. But even more so, we see that it also points in some verses where it uses this word as the husband in a relationship with his wife. And guess what, guys? That means we're a wife um, to Christ. He's a, he is the one who leads. He's the one who guides. But ultimately, the, the one that we see is he's a supreme chief. He's a prominent master. He's the Lord. He's the cornerstone. So in this place, his headship is made of being a leader, being the ultimate authority, being the direction, being where his placement as Lord is, and continuing to point forward towards him. We see that even confessing Christ as Lord with our mouth is a place where we're positioning ourselves under his authority. Now there is there's Savior in heart where we're saved by him, but ultimately we're putting ourselves under his authority, recognizing his placement, his direction, his power over us, his hopes, his dreams. But ultimately, we, even within salvation, 
place ourselves under Christ as power, as direction, and ultimately his kingship. When we come down to what our unity as Christians should be, it should be this. That we all bow before one king. That we all are under service to one king. That we're all bringing glory to one king. That ultimately he is the one who's directional for us. He's the one that we're seeking to pour out for. See, the true call to unity, no matter what, is is that he is the head of our body. He fills each one of us. He is the one who fills us out. So as we seek to be in relationship with him, it's us continuing to bring excellence to the way that we honor him. See, when we look at, there's so many different things that we we see throughout the word that talk about how to be unified, how to be um, exemplifying God. Like the world knows us by the way we love each other. It's because ultimately people are hard to love. And it's easy for the world to go, I have a reason not to love you. But because he is king, because he is authority over us, because he's the one we're seeking to honor, even past ourselves, we love. We live in sacrifice. We live in obedience. See, the truth is is that even the reason why we can walk together and even not agree, not even like some people here, we can love them just like family. Some parts of our family are a little harder to deal with than others. It's because our Father gave birth to all of us. He brought us into resurrection. He brought us into direction. And no matter what, we have to wish the best for each of us as we go forth. Or ultimately, the person we're dishonoring is not this person who offended us, but ultimately the Father. See, when we look at the ultimate unity, it's built from this place of our position to God. Like, where He has all rights. He has all honor. He has all ability to lead us. He is the one who gets to direct us and we only choose to be faithful or obedient or disobedient and unfaithful. No matter what the circumstances, offense, non-offense, reasoning, justification and excuses is just ours, not his. It doesn't change the fact of what we're choosing to turn away from. But the beautiful part is because he is king because he's the ultimate director, because he's ultimate power. He's, he is amazing. He's ahead. He fills you in. He's the only thing that will continue to make you whole, continue to bring you into God, will continue to bring you into himself, will continue to be the sacrifice that is the only penance for your sin to redeem you, but ultimately the only one to point you forward we can find unity. And that unity is actually the very backbone that builds it so that we actually can have unity around a leader because he's the only one. Unity that defines us. A unity that's defined off of who we're being created to be. A unity around love. A unity around godly character. Like, how can we be unified with different characteristics? Because in a world, we can't be. 
We each have different godly characteristics. We have different fruit of the Spirit, and there's different things that exemplify God. So how would we be unified? Well, because we're seeking to be exemplifications of one God, who is the King, who's directing us all in one direction. He's the God who, because of his kingship, is also the one we unify around in growth, renewal, how we build each other up. That ultimately, we are unified because we're trying to imitate the same God. We're trying to become like the same God. For to unify, to be for God first, which means that we will be for others. To be for encouragement. And ultimately, to unify in the burdens so that we can be with God. And with others, not condemning them. See, the truth is, is that a lot of the times the three big things I've noticed that cause us to think that that unity under one leader, unity under one head or unity in any of these categories is an acceptable out is if if we're offended. Is failure. Is struggle. And pride. That's poor, actually. My math skills were off. Offense, like somebody hurt your feelings. Or you didn't feel considered. Or you didn't feel recognized. You didn't feel seen. Gives you the right to be disunified. Now, I think that it's our responsibility to love each other. To take responsibility and see. And it is our responsibility to represent God as best we can in every facet. But no matter what, that second category is going to happen with humans. That's failure. And if failure is your, your, your out, well, guess what? You fail too. And the thing is, is that's why we need Jesus. And guess what's promised to us? Struggle. So if that's your out, we'll get ready to quit. Because that's where we're getting sent by God as things that cause us to need him and need to stand on faith. But ultimately, pride is a place that God is against. But all of those things really surround around one person. You, not God. See, what unifies us is not an individual, but Christ. See, Christ is the omnipotent, sovereign God who's above everything. Even though he cares about you, he's not defined by you. And the truth is, is that you're defined by him. You're saved by him. And that's what brings us into unity. It's ultimately his character, his will, his love, and his direction. So, why don't you go ahead and jump down to Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 17. We're going to read 17 and 19. So, 17 says that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? See, our head, our leader, Jesus Christ, 
is saying words like wisdom, revelation, knowledge. And we need to look at each of these words in a verse like this. Where we're talking about he is a sovereign king. He's above us. He's, he's head over us. He's directing us. So if he's speaking this place where he's releasing a will, like there's, there's something he is doing to us that what he wishes for us, then we need to see. See, in this place, wisdom is, in Greek, is saying like general wisdom. Could be worldly, spiritual, and, and revelation is enlightenment and illumination and revelation. And knowledge is recognition and uh, acceptance. So if we were to talk like that, it'd be like saying, I understand it says our God, our leader, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who has done all and is leading and is directing us, wants to pour out wisdom on us. That is, he wants to pour out this general information, this information that's available to illuminate and reveal his character, his heart, his direction, and that we could come to recognize and accept those facts of him. Because if we can find out he could reveal himself through these facts, he could pour out this wisdom. If he could impact you with just how he is, what he stands for, come to beliefs of what that character is, that direction, we could believe about the person who's leading us, ultimately we could realize how great and unmeasurable his glory is. Because then we could follow him into the impossible. See, as we recognize that character, we could see it exemplified around us. Because he is that awesome. See, what his heart is, is to reveal himself and reveal, reveal the identity of even how we can represent him. But ultimately, so how we could trust him and follow him into whatever he has. So we could be unified rather than doubtful. See, the truth is, is that we have a responsible God, as we talked about last week. A God who has adopted you. First of all, you were lost with, in sin and in that sin, you could not do it. You were out there alone. You couldn't be respond like you couldn't fix the problem. So what God did was he says, I see you as a wanderer. I see you as somebody who can't take responsibility and I will pay to take responsibility for you. And only will I be responsible for you. I will actually bring you back into right and to receive this inheritance. And as a responsible God, he made it available he made it acceptable, and he made it good. He made a plan, and he brought forward for each of us what we need to be faithful to him and to walk in his ways. He, as a responsible God, said, I will take all that is needed to bring you to me. I will show you everything in every direction, in every way, and I'll be there step by step. And there will be nothing I've not accounted for. But then as a compassionate God, in that same way, I will understand your struggle. I will be there to encourage you, strengthen you, and to continue to bring you forward. I will bring people into your life that will help carry you. 
that will continue to speak identity into you. It's the God who transforms our mind, renews our mind. It's the God who continues to give us a new heart. Not one of stone, but one of flesh. He continues in this place where a compassionate God transforms us to a receptacle of love. That unmeasurable love. That compassionate God interacts in relationship with us. Saving us. Believing for us. Transforming us. But ultimately, all those things are awesome, but he's a directional God too. He's one who leads. One of justice. One of direction. He has very precise plans. Ones with good intentions. Good plans for us, it says. We all probably know that place in Jeremiah. But ultimately, what we know is is that every single place, opportunity, direction, he has planned to exemplify himself and direct us. But how can we follow him? If the point is to follow our head, to follow a great leader, to follow a good one, to transform to look like him, but ultimately, as we're talking about today, is him as the head and following that head. How can we follow? Well, I think one of the most no-duh ones is the word, the Bible. Now, that's not the same thing as the living word, which is Christ Jesus. Now, but the word is, there's no error. There is nothing wrong with that word. It is perfect truth to help you witness God, to bring you towards him. And in it, within your understanding and how you can understand it right now, it could help you and direct you towards his love, towards his will, show you his character. But ultimately, the things I just mentioned, his character, his loving kindness, his, his steadfastness, his his strength, what he calls evil and good, and what he stands for, that God of justice, and ultimately patience, and grace, and mercy. That God is another stance that will show us how to follow him. See, the word will show who he's been, who he's going to be. It's going to show us a God who has already proved himself faithful. His character, we can see continually as a direction as we understand it that we can try to exemplify, that we can choose to live our life by. His will has constantly showed to push his kingdom forward, to represent his loving kindness, to pour out mercy and grace, to be with him unified in holiness. And that will goes on, I mean, literally each of these could be its own sermon series because his character is beautiful and wonderful and so intricate that ultimately we could learn so many lessons of how to live a life out just by really studying how great our God is. His will seems so impossible and so crazy because we're such fickle, judgmental people that... His will confounds all of us and 
if we were to say, like even studying that, if we lived our lives just to honor his will, we would do it wrong some way, but we do it right too. And that's a way to follow him. Another way to follow him is our convictions. God is being, there. first of all, in the New Testament, that word conviction doesn't exist. The word is convinced. So in the ways that God is convincing you to come into agreement with him, the places he's bringing you into agreement with him, those are ways he, he leads us. Of course, there's learned lessons. There is wisdom in following what we've been taught and where we've overcome. It's not smart to have a lesson happen in our lives and for us to make the same choices over and over again. But one of the things that I think becomes more unclear is what about the Holy Ghost? What about His voice? Or His arrangement of situations? Or the hard, hardest one? The one we struggle with the most? His trials. See, the thing is, is that the Holy Ghost was sent by God to be a helper. To direct us. To guide us. I know it's hard for us to understand. And for us to participate or quantify or control God. Especially His Holy Ghost. But this whole category of Holy Ghost, His voice, His arrangement of situations and trials, we have zero control over and we have zero quantification of, zero way to make sense of what it is. We have zero control over how it goes. But in reality, is God brings us into things we don't understand or we don't know or we don't have control of. When we look at the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to go into each of these like in depth, but the truth is the Holy Ghost was, as I said, given as a helper, a convictor, an encourager. He's constantly testifying to God to us. We, he's the seal of salvation. And we, we read the words in the Bible and we, we look and we act as if God is dead sometimes. But in reality, he's a living God who's testifying and leading us. His voice doesn't, just because we might rarely have interacted with it. How many bushes have we walked past that were meant to catch our attention? How many times have we missed out at being in a place that we were ashamed of and we more focused on what we were ashamed of than stopped and listened to God? How many times have we walked past and thought that just because we couldn't understand something that it mustn't be God. The truth is, is that these arrangement of situations, whether we, we, we've read the word and we've, we see that very clearly God moves us, maneuvers us to step into the path. And we have to keep our eyes open like wise virgins looking for the position of where our king is. Looking and prepared to move in alignment with his will based off what is happening. See, the thing is, is that none of us like trials, but we're called to take joy in them because they're the proof that both God loves us, but also they really transform us. Some trials are made for us to let our flesh go. Some trials to prove what we believe. And some trials are the devil just trying to win you over. 
But at the end of the day, we have to be prepared to choose God no matter what kind of trial we are in. And he's leading us into a place of his character, his will, his placement. But what if God is in the thing right now that you and your life are struggling with? What if it's God who's bringing you to a place you don't understand? What if it's God who's bringing you to that place of what you don't believe? Well, let's just look at the word, what we, what we can do if we're not following. We look at the Pharisees, and what was beautiful about the Pharisees was they were faithful. They, even though they were prideful, like any of us can be, even though they worshipped in public, like we can do sometimes, they were faithful to try and uphold they were looking for the proofs of God. They were looking for the God who was going to show up, who was going to fulfill those promises. They were looking for the God that they had read about, dreamed about, hoped for, and set their lives on. But when he showed up and he fulfilled those things, but they did not understand, when he showed up, And he fulfilled those things, and it challenged them, challenged their standard. When he showed up, and it wasn't the way that they had dreamed or they had had success doing before, they condemned him, they hardened their hearts, and stopped following. And they made their own way. The truth is, is that we all can be Pharisees. That God is bringing us to a place we don't understand. And as the head of us, the leader of us, and us unifying, we're all going to be brought to places that we don't understand. Because if he's a God who's speaking to so many different cultures and so many different places, obviously he's going to unify us in a place where most of us don't understand. We just have to trust But when he's bringing us to that place to experience something new, it's real easy for us to go, you know what, that's not God. You know what, I am afraid of that. And because I'm afraid, it must not be good. But I would challenge you to say that God is scary sometimes because we can't control him. But he's good. And as he's bringing us into that impossible, it's important for us to partner with what, that, what this verse is teaching us. His will is. His will is to reveal himself. His will is to bring us into him. And his will is for us to reflect him, which it doesn't say here. But I would say it says plenty of other places in the word. And as it is his will to re- reveal himself, to make us known, then we can experience just how deep and great he is. How immeasurable his love is. See, if he presents himself amazing, but you choose to harden and question if that's God, the only person missing out is you and the people who are waiting on you. The beautiful part is is that God never gives up. One of the, I love, as I said, Asian movies where they go... I know that's probably 
insensitive. It's not meant to be racist. I just love those movies where they really poorly dub it and the words are way, way, way off. Because it just, it just is awesome. I was watching this movie and there's pretty much two militaries. And one of them has this guy who uh, pretty much was raised up by the bad guy. Uh, well, the, the second bad guy. He's kind of like the underling bad guy. And he's actually like the worst. He's like, he's menacing. He's evil. He just like crushes people. And he pretty much, in the middle of this movie, it's like one of these high moments. And he catches the good guy of the other side. And he's holding him hostage. And it, well, not hostage. He's like, he just caught him in the act of trying to fulfill this plan. And he's holding him, and he's like, why do you want this anyways? Why do you want this thing? Is it to fulfill a plan to defeat us? Is it to push further your thing, your, your agenda? And the guy says, no, I'm standing for what I believe. And he stops and looks at him. And he says a comment, and I... It, it just goes with the sermon is, is that he looked at him and he says, I stopped believing. So take this and still fight while you still believe. Because living for belief means you're living for freedom. But living just to keep going means that you're living, waiting for death. I think the truth is, is where I challenge you with that example is, is that we have a God who is alive, who is our head, who is good, who's leading us, who has all the answers. And we have a word that does help us see that. But he's alive and he's putting you in situations. He's challenging you with new. And he's ultimately very real. When I look at where we're going and where, what is happening... There's going to always be places that challenge us. But brothers and sisters, don't get weary of doing good. Don't get weary of how good God is, even in hard things, because he will direct us into hard things. But also, just like verse 18 says, look at verse 18. This is the prayer of my heart for this body and really the Christians at large in our world, is having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Our unity of a good, good God who's above all things is for him to reveal himself but for him to transform our hearts so that we're no longer living, waiting for death, but in fact, we're living, seeking freedom in him. Tim, come on up. Know that this unity that we're living for right now is sealed in an all-powerful God who knows all, who's capable of all, but most of all, who knows you, seeks you, hopes for you. See, that inheritance of what he has for you.
that dream he has for you, he wants to reveal. And ultimately, that inheritance that he wants you to know is that relationship and intimacy with him. See, our unbelief, our fear, our control, our pride, our failure doesn't separate him from continuing to take ownership, take responsibility, and continue to be faithful. But brothers and sisters, unify with me, unify with Christ in the fact that he is awesome, he is good, and no matter what happens, he will continue to be a great God and that he will continue to lead us to himself. And as I commit my life, I pray that you will continue to commit your life to being like that good God. Let's close our eyes and and turn to prayer. Lord Jesus, just as that song in the beginning said, wherever you lead, let's go. If you are in it, let's begin. I pray for each of us that we could see what you are in and we could begin in the processes. And Lord, that you would make us a little less scared of the unknown, the things that are different, and ultimately, Lord, the things that we judge. Lord, that you would show us that we find ourselves disunified with you sometimes, but that doesn't change at all how much you love us doesn't change at all that you're going to continue to direct us and rearrange us into your path. Lord Jesus, I just pray that we could find ourselves founded under your foundation, built off of you, directed and fulfilled by your presence. Lord, that we could say that the King, our Abba Father, is who we are with and who we want to represent. Lord, just like that burning bush, I pray that you would catch our attentions. Just like that pillar of fire, we would know you are with us. But most of all, Lord, just like the flame in the temple, we know that you're residing within us. Guide us, strengthen us. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.